Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. You're probably listening to this uh, through projectmanagement.com. I'd like to thank them once again for being a sponsor of this podcast and all the, the, the stuff that we try to put out there to help people get better at doing the work of transforming the way we approach work. Today, Giorra Moraine is here. We're going to do sort of a wrap-up for the end of the year. So, Giorra, thanks for taking time out of your holiday season, because even though we're recording this before Thanksgiving, we're pretending that it's way after Thanksgiving. Thanks, Dave. Happy Turkey Day. It's good to be here talking to you. Thank you. It's good to talk to you, too. So, Giorra and I worked together for a long time, um, and Giorra is the founder of a a very well-known Agile company. Um, But let's talk about Think Louder. Why don't we start with that? What's going on with you right now? Yeah, so uh, Think Louder is uh, sort of the the newest company, and um, uh, it, it's it's sort of really sort of focusing on my you know where I believe sort of the next evolution of the agile services space is at least sort of for me and 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 where I want to be when I want to be and and what I want to focus on, and uh, it really sort of focuses on sort of providing targeted. Uh, actionable, sort of data-driven and re- results-focused uh, training, workshops, and coaching. And so, um, whereas sort of in the past, sort of big visible, the big visible model was sort of very open-ended uh, coaching model, embedded uh, integrated coaching, where which is really great when when you know you've got companies and teams starting out. But sort of as the markets evolve. As more and more people have experience, um, you know, not, not everything is about resetting or starting from scratch. Uh, more often than not, when you engage an organization, you you start where they are, you start with their current practices, their current process, and you help them identify sort of uh, tactical specific areas where they can have improvement. And so we're developing um, sort of training and coaching programs that are designed to sort of be very targeted. Uh, very controlled, very sort of well-understood outcomes, and uh, and then help our customers figure out which of those are appropriate and, and find the best way to, to, to deliver them. So I want to try to put some context around it for the folks that are listening. So um, what's happened for a number of years in the Agile space is if a company wanted to make the change, they would reach out to a company that would come in and provide coaching or transformation support help them find their way from out of the waterfall over to a more agile approach. But what you're, you're saying now is that we've kind of passed that wave and the people have kind of, they've got, they've got whatever they've got and they need maybe a more tactical push in certain directions and things like that or help, help with more specific things that you're going to provide training around. That's exactly right. Is that you know they have experience. Organizations have some maturity. Maybe they've had some failures, some successes, and so it's put them in a position where they can take greater own ownership of their trans- transformation. They can understand uh, where their emphasis is and what they're going to focus on. And so uh, the value proposition of the embedded coach uh, changes. Not only that, but the amount of scale that's needed is much greater. Than, than anything that that model can accommodate. So more and coaches, so, you're saying? Well, so historically that was that was the model, right? So if you wanted more support, if you wanted to scale, you'd have you to go. You want more agile, get, you need more coach. Exactly right. <laughs> you want more agile, you need more coaching. And the problem there is is that what I found is sort of certainly when we were big visible, where you know we were trying to find the best coaches, they were really hard to find. And what we've also found is that more and more today, there are a lot of people call themselves coaches, and what they are are just experienced agilists. And and there's a difference. Coaches, no, this coaches is good. Yeah, explain. Can you go into the difference between the two? Absolutely. So I mean, you can have um, 
you know, take take project managers as an example, right? So you can be a really, really experienced project manager. And so if there's a project that needs leading or a program needs leading, you'd probably be the, the leading candidate for that. But if you're trying to help others be good project managers, if you're trying to help an organization sort of elevate their project management capability, that may not be the same person. And so coaches aren't just the experts at sort of the domain or the process or the field, but they're really good at uh, their expertise is helping others become good at it. And that involves understanding sort of uh, organizational team maturity, identifying baseline practices and starting points, figuring out the appropriate way of then sort of evolving and maturing those practices, um, creating safe environments for stakeholders who may not be sort of uh, uh, comfortable with sort of the changes that come along with any new uh, transformation. Okay. Uh, and so coaches are experts at that. And so what we found was that it was extremely difficult to find those people. And we did, I mean, Big Visible, we truly sort of prided ourselves on finding the best, the best. And, um, and, and that was, that, you know, now that we need to scale and not only that, but now that organizations are becoming increasingly more experienced with the change management of the transformation element, and they should take ownership of it. What they need is they need tactical support. Yeah, we've got a we've got a team. They're struggling with uh, uh, they're struggling with with release planning, or they're struggling with sort of um, sort of demand management or product visualization. And so these are very specific problems. They have very specific handful of solutions. Um, it's met with either some some combination of training or sort of tactical coaching. We're bringing those training concepts and practices directly on site using their context and their backlogs and their their people. And so you're it, it's it's a much shorter time frame. So instead of spending sort of a month or three months of sort of a coach ramping up and doing an assessment and sort of surveying the landscape and determining a plan of action. Now, you know, we provide a series of sort of uh, assessments that, that organizations can periodically run relatively cheaply on their own and then identify for themselves uh, what are specific areas that they want to advance in or need advancement in. And sometimes sometimes it does require sort of completely resetting a team. But more often than not, uh, it's really about sort of understanding team maturity. Okay, and and where to invest in and where to invest in sort of additional maturity because so traditional coaching sort of says I'm here uh, I'm going to try and improve everything while I'm here, and uh, that's that's great when you're first starting out and there's an investment in the ramp up period and and everything else but now once it's operational there's still this notion of continuous improvement and so it's a it's it's a different model uh, in in my opinion and so I think that what would in think louder we're trying to do is establish sort of um, uh, training and workshop programs that can be at the disposal of sort of uh, organizational managers and leaders that they can decide with some help from us and some help from us sort of assessments um, where they want to sort of leverage their investments right so, what so lever they want to pull to see a change wherever Exactly. And so have some way of assessing what those options are, okay. understand sort of. And so since our since our solutions are, are fairly repeatable, we can now say, OK, uh, you know, in this particular area, teams sort of on average who start off scoring this amount after sort of, you know, applying this sort of solution or this curriculum, we see this jump in performance. So they have some level of predicting um, what the return on that change investment or that 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 sort of learning investment will be. Okay. And, and granted, we're very focused on sort of um, on sort of execution, team capability, and programs as well. I mean, I know our market has moved very much towards you know transformation and portfolios and and sort of really 
thinking about big picture strategic things, and that's important. But at the end of the day, you know, whatever whatever strategies organizations come up with, whatever programs people put together, at the end of the day, every ounce of value that an organization delivers is delivered at the very bottom of it. Okay. And so we still need to know how do we empower teams? How do we how do we get the right people together? How do we enable their basic foundational capabilities and practices? And so no matter how much upstream we continue to swim and focus on leadership and 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 you know transformative things, it's it's still pivotal that we're able to support uh, the ongoing concerns and needs of the people sort of on those teams who actually put the Lego blocks together. Okay. And that's where I think louder. That's that's where we're focusing. So I want to ask you sort of a weird question about this. Um, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about is stuff that absolutely has to happen, but it might not have been the shiny thing that dragged people over to stare at Agile in the first place. And from a coaching perspective, you're talking about you know hiring the brightest minds, you know the sharpest people you can find. And I and I found that I was surrounded by those people, but I'm wondering if this part. Of, of agile transformation, like, you know, if you look across everything, the stuff that's happening now, this is kind of like the cleaning up after the party stuff. Like now we've got to actually figure out how to make it work. Everybody's done all the shiny, like, let's go, let's go stuff. And now we're kind of mired in the pits of actually trying to figure out how to do it. Do you think that a lot of the thought leaders have maybe leapt forward to something else, figuring, oh, we solved that one, let's go do something else. And now the rest of us are left to kind of deal with the day after? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and that this is not a new phenomenon, right? So thought leaders, they need they need new content to write new books, right? Give yeah. new talks. And, and sort of, uh, you know, if you're a really productive thought leader, you wrote a book and then a whole bunch of people copied it and sort of wrote derivative books from it. And so now <laughs> if you want to stay- Not jaded at all. But that's, I mean, it's very yeah, true, right? right? You take a look at sort of how many story, you know, yeah. user story books or white papers are out there. There's still only one definitive work on it, sort of that Mike Cohn's sort of user stories explained. And, and you know, people, you know, sort of created all kinds of scrum guides and agile guides and sort of how to do scrum. But ultimately, they're all, they're all sort of well-written, well-researched, well-explanations of the same thing. Exactly. And so I think that um, the thought leaders, that's what they do. They look for new ground. Um, they look for sort of new areas because they have to in order to stay thought leaders. Um, but I also think that for the most part, it's never been the thought leaders who actually are the boots on the ground trying to make these things happen. Right. And so uh, I've always had tremendous amount of respect for a lot of sort of pioneers and like the signatories of the Agile Manifesto and others. Uh, but if you actually look at sort of, you know, all the agile transformations that are out there, uh, these people have their hand in a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of a percentage point of all those things yeah. that they've inspired a movement and they've inspired others. But uh, in terms of who's actually doing the work, it's usually not them. And and I think that's their role, right? They they inspire and motivate others, and and, and others come in and 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 they have different expertise, right? And they have different strengths and and. Good coaches don't necessarily make great thought leaders either, um, and so uh, I think I think it's not surprising, and I think it's a good thing, okay. and I think it'll continue. I think part of the challenge that we have in our community is that, you know, I think that our thought leaders have tapped the the sort of the you know they've reached the boundaries of their personal expertise, and so 
you know, if you sort of look at the evolution over the last 20 or 25 years, you know, it's all about sort of speed, productivity, process improvement, focusing on sort of people interactions, improving sort of uh, the craftsmanship of software development and things like that. And so there's an evolution. Eventually we got DevOps and we got scaling and, and, and now we're sort of talking about the portfolio. But we're quickly, we're quickly hitting the boundaries of where those sort of uh, thought leaders' All right. uh, expertise is. So I want to interrupt because this is a perfect segue, and I and we didn't plan this, but I appreciate you setting it up. Um, so I, I've been wondering if I'm going to try to get the whole question out as briefly as I can before you respond. I've been wondering if things have not been changing as quickly as they used to because it seems like after everybody got all into cost of delay, I felt like things kind of slowed down. Like we got into that whole safety discussion and now we're talking about cultural change, but the agile conversation and innovation to me kind of, it's like it took a, took a knee to catch its breath for a second. And, I, and I've been wondering if that's just me, if I'm missing stuff, if there is tons of innovation other than, you know, the, the sort of Josh Karajewski stuff or the stuff Alistair's doing with kind of back to the roots kind of stuff. Um, or is there other stuff out there? Like, are there things that you're watching or you're like, damn, that's the new shiny thing I got to pay attention to? Yes. What are they? Yes. So other than go... Think Louder, what are they? Yeah, no, nothing to do with Think Louder. Yeah, so I'll tell you that... Um... So I'll start with the first part of your question, right? So I think that um, I think there's been so much. I think the environment in which we've been doing agile has changed so much that it completely makes sense that some of those original thinkers, people like Alistair Coburn, people who sort of really uh, just amazingly talented, smart people who sort of really able to take some abstract ideas and articulate them in a way. That sort of really resonated and simplified that people can consume. Yeah, like, you know the, the the manifesto. But now it's 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 been a while, right? So it's been 15, 20 years. Um, things have changed. They become more experienced, and so they've seen sort of ideas bastardized and misunderstood. And and so it makes sense that that some of these folks go back and sort Take of reexamine. Home, yeah. Reexamine what 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 sort of fundamentals is instead of Alice just a heart of agile and so they're just examples of that and and I think it's tremendous and I think it's great but I also do think that it's um to, from my standpoint it's it you know it, it it's it, it's sort of just staring at sort of the same stone from a slightly different angle okay and and I think there's only so much that we're going to extract from it I think the fundamental challenge that we've run into is um. Historically, like if you look at sort of, you know, I think I read the the State of Agile report that you know version one comes out with or somebody else, and if you look, something like eighty seven or ninety something percent of those people who adopted Agile or what's their motivation? It's primarily they want to deliver faster, right. they want to deliver more frequently, they want to be more efficient, um, or maybe they want to be more productive or some combination of those things. So sure. this idea of sort of process improvement, right, doing the things we do faster, better, right, has always been the driving force behind sort of Agile. And a lot of the, um, a lot of the people who, who championed it really emphasized those things, right? If you look at sort of Jeff Sutherland, uh, twice, yeah, twice the work and half the time. I mean, it sort of represents this efficiency optimization or what, you know, if you've ever read the book, The Innovator's Dilemma uh, by, by Clayton Christensen, that's efficiency innovation, 
right? And so there's an entire there's an entire industry. I mean, of, of, of you know, Fortune, how many companies, mid size, small size, who've adopted Agile to essentially improve the way they operate. Um, well, and that's not just Agile, because I mean, if you look at all the stuff people do with their personal lives in terms of hacking their brains or hacking their exercise, I mean, that is a pervasive thing. How yeah, do I get more yeah. out of less? Yeah, yeah. So you're absolutely right. So it's exactly, I mean, it's the same idea behind lean, right? So yeah. lean and common sort of minimizing waste and, and sort of becoming more effective at the, how to maximize our time and all those things. But, but the problem is, is that it requires, it, 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 it assumes that what you're then going to point that at is actually worthwhile. So if you're twice as, if you can deliver twice as much at half the time, there's a correlating assumption to that is that you've got four times as much valuable stuff now that's <laughs> worthwhile but it doing. It might just be twice as much, four times as much stuff. It's yeah, it might yeah, be four times no as much value, stuff, right. which is which is even worse than the stuff we had before because now we have to find we have to scrape the bottom of the bottom of the barrel idea because yeah. we've increased our throughput so much that we don't have corresponding sort of uh, ideas to support it. And so now, I mean, it's not just now. I mean, people like Jeff Patton and others sort of really been emphasizing product management in Agile um, that now becoming sort of, I think, increasingly more popular, the idea of not just how we we do things, but what we're doing, yeah. what are we investing in? Um, and, and so I think that where you asked me, so the second part of your question, sort of what's the new thing? Yeah, what's what, are sort you, of, what are you, where is it going? To? I think it really is sort of the language of innovation. I mean, if you look at what sort of Eric Reese and so he just put out a new book, yeah. um, and sort of what that whole, uh, innovation community is doing, people like Alex Osterwelder, um, and sort of really talking about innovation, and sort of uh, using using sort of adaptive, uh, uh, experiment-driven, data-driven sort of small cycle, basically the same tools that Agile gave us, but instead of applying them to figure out how to deliver more stuff, to actually figure out what's the stuff that's worth delivering. Okay. And and so I think that's really, really powerful. Which is a question that's been in the Agile conversation for a long time but maybe there hasn't been as much focus on it because everybody's figuring on how to increase their velocity well and i think there's a couple of reasons for why that is right so i think that it's easier to sell uh velocity it's easier to sell speed right so if you look at sort of uh the promise even in the sales process of of a lot of companies right there yours included dave we, we talk about selling predictability or we talk about selling productivity we can deliver more frequently and faster and then once you've got that figured out then you can figure out sort of well what is it uh that you actually want to use that for sure. but if you look at if you look at for the most part who's buying that a lot of the time maybe even most of the time it's coming from technology right it's cios or people in technology who are their job is to produce more stuff, produce it on time, produce it more predictably. And so I think what now, I think what's going to happen, and I think this is happening, is they've, when we talk about an, sort of agile transformation and now sort of the new buzzword, even though we've been, we were using it for years, this idea of business agility. Yeah. If you're truly going to drive business agility, you have to target at areas that drive the business. In most organizations, technology doesn't drive the business. Sales does. Marketing does. Okay. Um, product management does. And so if we truly want to talk transformation, we have to figure out, well, how are we going to transform what we sell, how we sell it? How do we acquire customers? How do we lower the cost? So you're talking cost? about transforming sales to Agile? 
No, no, I'm talking about transforming businesses, right? And so you okay. can't just you can't transform an organization just by transforming how we deliver technology projects and claim success. You do the whole thing. Yeah, and what I think is is it has to really start with what's the business driver? Okay. Right? What drives our business? Is it is it cost reduction? So by offering cheaper products, we can get more market share. Okay, how do we leverage Agile to reduce our sort of uh, cost or, or whatever else it is? If it's about sort of um, sort of increasing customer retention, then how do we how do we point point the things that we do and our teams focus on on increasing sort of customer retention? And so, and most of the time, we deal with these these problems are complex. We don't know the the cause effect relationships or the things we do aren't as obvious as they used to be. And so, yeah. it's not as easy as like let's analyze our way out of this problem or let's design our way out of this out of this issue we truly have to figure it out we have to discover the iterative process of figuring out that's the only way you and i are going to end up with flying cars dave right we're not going to design i don't want a flying car well i do (laughs) you can have mine i want to ride the subway again but but the, the bottom line is is that the problems we're working on are far more complex and we have to look at sort of what is the business drive behind them yeah and and so I think that people like Alex and people sort of who talk about innovation um, uh, sort of are much closer to that. And granted, their target is sort of the beginnings of a product. But if you sort of if you if you then sort of follow that story, right, once you figure out what what customers and users are interested in, what features they want, what products they want, the next step is, OK, I've built my product. But now how do I how do I acquire customers? And so the same practices of product management figure out what users are interested in. Now we can sort of. Yeah, now we can sort of we can start to scale them to talk about sort of marketing. At the same time, now that we're marketing, we have to grow, yeah. right? So now we have to grow staff. So now who do we recruit, right? Who do we hire? How do we how do we motivate those people, right? Okay. So now you're talking about HR and recruiting. How do you fund those activities? And that's sort of around investments. And that's still the selling, right? How do we manage our partnerships? Yeah. So we've got vendors and resellers, and you know, we're if you've got a product that you're selling through Amazon and you're also trying to sell through wherever, and you also have like crowdfunding campaigns, and so. The idea of how we sort of what what sort of the value drivers of the things that we do, this is where I think uh, industry is going to go. I think where it should go. Right when we when I hear about business agility, I don't. I think we've talked about it for a while, but I don't think we focus enough on the business of that element and what yeah. those business drivers are. And financial services, I mean, financial services companies spend literally billions of dollars on technology, but that's not their business driver. Right. right. So if we really sort of look at their business drivers and then use agile to figure out how to best meet those business drivers, uh, as opposed to just sort of viewing agile as a, as a factory sort of. Well, deliver- it's, a, it's a it's a set of tools rather than a destination. Right. Sure. And that's sort of, you know, that you're getting very deep on me and very sort of meta, very sort of metaphoric. Well, that's how we roll in Oklahoma, Gior. We're all about apparently. The apparently there's a lot of depth there. <laughs> uh, you know, it's you know, you're talking about the difference between doing agile and being agile. And, and so I think that from a from a philosophical, let's talk about this over a cup of beer sort of standpoint, that stuff is relevant. But when it comes down to it, fundamentally, there are problems that people are trying to solve. Yeah. There are customers that companies are trying to acquire. There are opportunities that we're trying to enable. And I think in the agile business, we we spend way too much time talking about uh, you know how to code good software and how to make sure that we have quality. And all these things are important. Don't get me wrong, but we sort of 
we miss the Lose point. Lose the mission right? a little bit, yeah. Exactly. So building the wrong thing, but building it to really high quality standard and building it super quickly. That's a really good way of putting it. Like Just and, building the wrong thing really fast is not helping anyone. Exactly. And even if people feel really good while they're building it, at yeah. the end of the day, it's not success by any stretch or measure of the imagination. And so I think that when I look at sort of when I look at the horizon um, and that's and that's also why if you look at sort of there's you know, I'd say over the last year, there's been I'm going to call it some degree of micro maturation in the scaling uh, in, the, in the agile scaling industry. And sort of, you know, I think at the end of the year. Everybody was talking safe, and the guys over at Less, they were sort of trying to offer some alternative. Um, and I think that, you know, I think we're now hitting the first time, like I, I call it the post safest, right? So safe was really popular. Ooh, look at you, new term, post safism. Post safism. There we there's, go. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, you know, as popular as it still is, there are companies that have tried it and said, mm, that's not for us. And they're trying the next thing, right? So all of a sudden, the Spotify model has become really, really popular, right? And so I think that there's still this this focus on um, what's our structure and, you know, how do we measure things and, and what our reports look like and how do we, you know, how do we report to management? And these are very, very sort of tactical questions and they're good, but they still don't address the fundamental problem, which is why are we here? Yeah. And so I think that the more we can start to focus on a language of innovation and, and sort of and sort of customers. So if we truly incorporate customers in the agile language um, and users and and the problems and, you know, things like the, the, the language of, of, of business. Yeah. Uh, I think that we'll truly have sort of that. That'll be sort of the next step maturation in, in agile transformation. Cool. All right. Gee, thanks a lot for doing this and for coining, I believe, a brand new phrase. Post-safism. Yeah, there you go. Um, if folks want to get in touch with you and learn more about your work and about Think Louder, what's the best way to do that? Well, just follow me on Twitter. It's uh, it's um, it's at G Moraine, um, or uh, you know, go to thinklouder.com, uh, or just shoot me a note. G okay. Moraine, M O R E I N at thinklouder.com. And I'll put up your LinkedIn as well. I'll put all this stuff in the show notes too. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day for this. It's been a pleasure, Dave. And I hope you have a very happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. And I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye.